Yo, what's happening, people? It's Will. It's Dex, Nicholas Dex. Yes, we're, we're starting a new thing called King's Talk. It's already started, it's already here. <laughs> <laughs> Let, what, what's it all about, Dex? Let them know. No, you wanted to start it, so go for it. That's all we had to talk for. So basically, King's Talk is a new platform we're setting up. Um, and one of the foundations of it is going to be this podcast. And really, it's just a platform where we want to empower the next generation of men. Um, I feel like often we operate in silos. We often have the same issues we're going through, but we don't want to open up about these things. So I really believe King's Talk is it's going to be an avenue where people can really open up and heal um, and just move forward and be the best men we can be. Is, is that a good explanation? Yeah, most definitely. I think the... Um essence of this whole um, project of King's Talk came from an organic place. Mm. Literally, myself and Will had a conversation that led to us saying we need to expand this. We need to invite more people, more voices, more ears so they can hear exactly what is actually going on in the hearts of us men, us kings. And um, it's very interesting because the feedback has been amazing and that's crazy it's all been developed from an idea so the purpose of king's talk is really just to unite and empower our voices as men and allow things not to be held in you know let's express it let's build let's elevate and um yeah man let's sharpen each other that's what we're here for so yeah man let's get into let's get into a lot of the stuff man well who are you first and foremost so before i speak about myself which i love to do you know i love to do that Bants, love it Bants, bants I think it's probably best that we just let the people know How this all came to being um, So yeah, from your perspective How did this all happen? I got a phone call from our um, mutual friend mm. Shouts to Marlon And um, you know He was very persistent in saying that um, Myself, Nicholas and Will Would be good at connecting mm. And um, done a little brief introduction At Will's house And you know We just had a really you know, great conversation where we're just speaking about life, marriage, fatherhood, you know, business, the whole aspect of life and where we really want to get to. And literally it just went it just went really deep, didn't it? You know what I mean? It went deep too quick, bro. You know what I'm saying? We touched on a lot of a lot of bases, but what I and we all touched on was a lot of things that we realised a lot of men don't talk about, you mm-hmm. know? And um it was just like a light bulb moment where we was just like, yeah, we need to take this from it being just a, a thing from this conversation and really bring it out there because there's a lot of people that have these type of conversations in barbershops or on a one-on-one basis but to put it on a platform where kings men can actually talk and vocalize their views is something that's very rare mm. so we wanted just to be bold enough to take that step and introduce king's talk in, in greater style so that's that's really how it started yeah like it's crazy because when you when we met that very first day, I remember you mentioning you wanted to do a podcast. Yeah. And straight away, like, it was so freaky because I had the same kind of idea in my mind. Mm. And as soon as you said King's Talk, I thought, yeah, this is it. Like, you've got to run with it. Um, and it's just been so beautiful, like, even just letting people know about the idea, where we want to take it, the feedback we've got, um, and how people are just willing to open up to us anyway, just outside of the podcast yeah and it's great that we can bring that to a platform where we can just all learn together just all open up together um 
I feel like there's so many things around women empowerment yeah. and enabling women to get to the next level and I think that's needed. But I also feel there's a lack of, of focus on where men could be doing better um, and where we feel like we may be lacking or the frustrations that we all share. So yeah, man, I'm really excited to get into this, bro. Definitely, man, definitely. Like I said before, you know, my name is Nicholas Dex. Um, being a fashion designer in this industry and the overall business, man, I've been able to come across you you know mm-hmm. and a lot of people have mentioned who you are um and asked if i've actually connected with you and i've been open to say you know what i don't even know who my man is you know but i see mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i want you to kind of introduce yourself to the, the listeners and i'll do the same and just explain a bit about yourself your journey um yeah, how you've been sure. able to get to where you are what is it that you actually do how yeah. would you like to be identified as well because you're a man of great talents it's not just one thing you do mm-hmm. and vice versa so let's kind of get into it from that aspect yeah? yeah yeah for sure so yeah for everyone listening my name is william adwesi adwesi spell a-d-o-a-s-i i'm the founder of a watch brand called vitae london um so vitae is actually latin for life so our whole mantra is to be the fashion brand changing lives so with each watch we sell, we actually help support a child through education across sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and that's that's brought me on an amazing journey. So since launching that a couple of years ago, we've distributed over 2,000 items of uniform to children in need, over 100 solar lights. We've had ambassadors come on board like Richard Branson, Emily Sanday, people like Pharrell Williams own our watches. So yeah, man, it's been a really awesome journey. It's been a great start. Um, and yeah, fashion is something kind of fell into. I'd always been creative, done photography, music, other things in the past, but I'd always had my eye on fashion and watches specifically. But it felt like an industry that people from our background couldn't really enter, mm. um, which inspired me to want to enter it even more. Um, so yeah, man, that's been my journey. It's taken me to some great places like went to see Prince Charles in Ghana last, went for a dinner with him last year, um, November, just loads of other doors that have opened. Um, But the funny thing is, I, as well as you hearing about me, I've heard a lot about you as well. Like I've heard so many people, and you probably don't remember this, but even before we met for the first time, I think it was a year before that or two years before our other mutual friend Mills, Mm. I think gave you my number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you called me on a random one. Like it was totally random. You was, and it was just like pure Dex, like the way you are, just pure encouragement. You was just like, bro, like we don't know each other that well, but I see what you're doing. What you're building is amazing. Don't stop. Um, and not many people may they may see the ins and outs, but don't stop. And I'll never forget that day. Mm. And it was crazy because at the point at that point, we hadn't raised investment for our company. We was just like. Like, I was even contemplating quitting. Like, yeah, man, it was was that low, but, like, hearing that encouragement... Shouts to Mills, man, every time. Shout out to Mills for sure, bro. Mm. Like, he's doing big things. Like, that encouragement was, yeah, man, really important to me. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about yourself, um, the amazing brands you've built, how you've got to where you are today. Yeah, so um, I go by the name of Nicholas Dex, and um, I'm a lifestyle specialist and that's the name that i formed because this whole serial entrepreneur and fashion designer i didn't want to get put in one bracket one box Mm. and um 
the essence of my journey, my purpose is developing a lifestyle where I can form products and services formed through a life experience. So the first one that I really hold dear to my heart is a brand called ODF Clothing, um, which stands for One Diverse Fashion. And the whole concept behind that is forming a contemporary, classic, timeless brand, which is unisex, that can be worn by literally anyone. And um, we've been doing well. We've been we've been all over the gaff, which is what I like to say. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the people's brand, something that's very organic, um, people-friendly, um, and just engaging in more than many ways. I'm also behind a luxury brand um, called Nicholas Kinsley. Kinsley's my middle name. And it's been inherited from um, my father as well. And we formed great um, luxury lines, including great shirts, accessory glasses. One of the big ones that have come recently is an aromatherapy product, which is luxury diffusers. And the main essence of that is to promote therapeutic benefits behind scents, which is amazing. So we just got a recent feature on Forbes and, you know, in a lot of people's houses right now the ambiance is there most definitely <laughs> um, as well as that behind Rip the Rummer UK which is an independent fashion showcase and music entertainment showcase um, and the list goes on for me mainly my um, purpose is to take whatever's in my imagination my vision and bring it to life but at the highest level of excellence and connect with just people that believe and um, making an impact that's what I'm really here for that's my main vibe just like we'll definitely um, mix with a lot of great um, heads in the game you know PDD Ed Sheeran um, the list goes on you know I'm probably forgetting some names now and there's a lot of things been achieved but the main essence is really understanding the true value you know, I feel like a lot of people discuss the success stories, but we, 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 we forget to talk about the process. Mm. And that's one thing that I think is important, you know. Um, so, yeah, should we get into it based on that? Yeah, for you know, sure. <clears throat> that's, that's one of the reasons why we connected is because we didn't realise we, we, there was so much that was were alike, you know. It's crazy, it's because we're alike but opposite at the same time. Definitely. And I think that's why it works so well. You saying Diddy and Jay Z? Something like that. <laughs> I mean, let, let me achieve a bit more before Trust. I start throwing them Trust. ones out. But yeah, man, I feel like we're very similar in terms of our vision, in terms of our mindset, but in terms of our personality types, we'll probably be quite a bit different. But that's why, like, it complements. What's the complements? Like, for instance, the launch of this. Mm. Um, like, I'm just. I'm more, I feel like I'm more of an introvert, like I can be loud, but I'm more of an introvert. Whereas I can definitely see you're more of an extrovert, you're out there, the energy's phenomenal, you're a people person. Um, and even launching King's Talk, when you said let's do a live event to launch it, I was thinking, bro, are you mad? Like, <laughs> no one's heard of it, we haven't even started, and you want to start with a live event? I thought that was crazy, and that kind of goes into where we're going next. Mm. So for the next few episodes, is actually going to be recordings and clips from our live event. Um, the first person we're going to be showing for you today is, well, I'm saying showing, you're listening, is George the Poet, um, who's a yeah, really, really phenomenal guy, phenomenal poet. He runs his own podcast that's, that's doing really, really well as well. Um, and the topic for his episode was no ID. That's right. So we were looking at identification, how he identifies himself in different spaces. He went to Cambridge University, 
but he still like loyally and truly reps the ends no matter what space he's in so yeah i thought this podcast especially for the young guys from the ends that may be working in the city now maybe working in parliament like we go into so many different places but we've come from so many different backgrounds so it's beautiful to articulate the way he the way he views us as a culture um, and the way he presents himself in different places. 100%. And on top of that as well, it's just the whole authentic approach that he brings. And he's so relatable. You know, it's kind of like having a street element mm. in a, you know, corporate field. 100 if that makes sense. And, you know, that, that's why we wanted to title this No ID because we feel like it represents it so much. You don't need uh, identification based on what people want to see in order mm. for you to make it and he's actually shown that based on his um, accolades and recent award winnings yeah, and sure. just the way he moves and operates he's really about the bigger picture and that's mm. what we wanted to represent so um, as we were saying we brought this to a live audience so you're really gonna feel the you know true organic approach the questions everything you're gonna feel it as if you're really actually you know in the audience yourself so um hear this one with george the poet and this one's um, no id enjoy welcome 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 thank you Kazi, how how you doing? You good? Doing great, man. Thanks so much for coming out, man. Thank you for having me. Um, I've I've been a fan from afar. Been watching the journey, and it's yeah, it's extremely inspiring. Um, seeing you do things like the royal wedding, go to Cambridge University, but still, I don't know how to say it without using colloquial terms. Still repping the ends. Mm. Um, still holding it down. Um, so like a key question for me is, how do you stay true to yourself? even though you're moving in these different circles and you may be encountering all these kind of different forces, how do you, how do you stay true to yourself? That it wasn't always easy. Um, I was in a secondary school that was already very different from my home environment. I went to a grammar school in North London. And um, uh, after that, I went straight to Cambridge. And in those environments, I got used to switching it up and sometimes changing the way I present myself, filtering my thoughts, adapting my style of talking. And that was quite suffocating for years to where even when I started um, as a poet, my strategy was don't let them see too much. Like let them, let them see everything that's different, that's not typical about you. Because we got this thing in our head like, well, I had this thing in my head. Hood is negative. Do you get what I'm saying? And true, the environment that I was coming from, the hood that I was coming from was a negative place. So I had this internal struggle within me. But over time, I realized that everything that made me stand out was positive. It only worked to my benefit. And when I started loving these things about myself... That's when I just thought, relax. You're here. You're here on your own merit. You're good enough. Deep. Yeah, do you understand what I'm saying? Like all of the, I think was was it you that was saying how he saw me on the royal wedding? Yeah, listen, guys, I need to interrupt with this one. So, well, look, is it Prince Harry and um Meghan? Meghan Markle. Yeah. See this? I see George come on, go tooth, and he's just chatting normal. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I was, I was happy to see you, but I was thinking he just kept it real, yeah. you know, and um. 
what I loved about that was just what everything you're saying. I feel like you just just being yourself. Yeah. Is that how you are when you're around that type of circle as well? Yeah, it has to be because you got to think about it. Like when my parents came in the eight in the eighties, they had a certain perspective. First of all, they came from a colonial education system imposed on them in Uganda. So even though they had a lot of pride about who they were, there was still the idea that when you're presenting yourself to white people, you have to pattern up, you have to watch how you speak and, and, and these things. Now, my school kind of reinforced that. Interestingly, as Cambridge, that wasn't too on that. When I, when I went to Cambridge, I felt a lot more relaxed. But by the time I left and I was doing poetry... I just had to be the authority onto myself. And to be honest, when I left Cambridge, I went straight back into the end. And one of my OGs said to me, when are you going to tell them who you really are? Because by the time that happens, they're going to think that you're lying because you've tricked them into thinking you're something else. So I realized that it was a responsibility on me to make sure that the next generation after me don't feel those pressures to pretend that they're something else. So when I took that responsibility on, then I was like, it was nothing. Like It wasn't intimidating to be myself and to have a go-to for the real wedding deep man guys give him a round of applause man i love that thank you george break down your concept of the importance of generational wealth right the benefit to me of going to the school that i went to is that i was sitting next to chinese kids indian kids Jewish kids, my school was very mixed, even though the ideology was quite white middle class. And I got insight into how these different gener um, different communities worked. And ultimately, I noticed they all have a self-made agenda that they seem to agree on. And I thought to myself, how, how is it? How is it that, like, to use a lazy stereotype, a lot of Indians came in and went into the corner shop business? How how did they all get that same message? And how come that generation of Indians all have kids that are now going into medicine to where the British Medical Association probably has an overrepresentation of um, the Indian demographic? And I used to ask these questions compared to black people, like if 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 um, if I knew of a of a successful black person who had their own hustle, how come I didn't know like a generation of them. There was always one in the ends that that owns a couple barbershops or one that owns a record shop or one that owns a clothes shop. But more time, if you look at even the, the high roads that we have in our communities, there's all these little different barbershops doing their own thing and no one talks to each other. Uh, no one works together like that. Everyone's got a competing chain and there's no pattern. There's no bigger agenda. So when I think about... Um, generational wealth or intergenerational wealth to me is the foundation of an agenda it's the foundation of a plan if we can establish the security that comes the psychological security with, that comes with knowing that we can support our young people in whatever they want to do for example or when there are cuts to the public purse that mean that there are no more youth centers we've got that do you know what i'm saying that's our job we don't need to be all in the news talking about knife crime and what's going on with these young people from the perspective of the Western media. We have an actual agenda because we have an economic base from which to enact our respective strategies. You feel me? Yeah, man. Crazy stuff. 
And my question following on from that is, there was obviously channels of communication between like that whole generation. Um, as as young men like growing up now, what can we do to better channel communication and spread spread mindsets like this, spread things like this, so that we don't have to repeat the mistakes of the ones that went before us. Mm. The perspective that I always come from is the creative fields. I feel like in any generation, as long as we've had recorded media, wherever you can see what black people are doing creatively is popping off. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's powerful because it becomes a form of broadcast. Mm. Anything creatively, whether that's mm. our entrepreneurial hustle or whether that is the music forms that we're making from the 20s fr with the spirituals through to blues, through to jazz, through to rock and roll, through to in different parts of the continent where ska and rocksteady and reggae started coming up. We have these forms that ultimately the rest of the world pays attention to. So I look at that as a broadcasting service. Right now we've got a lot of music, we've got a lot of rap, we've got a lot of personalities, we've got a lot of culture, source, drip. Mm. Everyone takes our slang, everyone knows that we've got it, everyone knows the actual source, S-O-U-R-C-E, bro, I was fast out. <laughs> Bit off more than I Cambridge can Cambridge graduate. <laughs> The, now the source of, of, of life, like mm. in many ways we generate a lot of these things. So we can capitalize on these cultural spaces that we create to really, really um, engineer some, some long-term conversations. I always say about Dave and Fredo going to number one. I think it was last year now. It was last year, innit? Blood, their hoods have, a re have something to celebrate forever. Do you know what I'm saying? I, don't want, I, I can't imagine any beef between those two blocks in particular. And, and it's two young men talking about their perspective. They didn't have to change who they were. They didn't have to create some fantasy about what their lives, they didn't have to flower it up. They just made a song, it went to number one, and those two representatives of, the, of their community have given their community something to be proud of forever. So I think we need to think like that. So doing a bit of research as well, um, understood that you were also signed, mm. um, but you took yourself out of that situation to be independent. Mm. Now, we're at a day and an age right now, specifically where a lot of artists mm. are gaining back their masters and their musical catalogues. Why is that important? Not just to own what's yours, but to be independent mm. and to be in control of your, your musical art. So there are two reasons why I find that so important. Firstly, going back to the economic conversation that we've been having, better to, the, to own the asset that will, you know, again, gener generationally create opportunities and wealth for your lineage. And then aside from the economic consideration, you also got to think in terms of us building a narrative, how are we ever going to be on, in control of our stories if the people that literally own those assets, own our storytelling media, are not from our world. So they will never apply the benefits that come with that media to the betterment of our people. Do you understand? So I feel like it's a big ideological thing. When I was signed, I felt like um, I, was, I was being suffocated slightly. I got to pay respects to Island Record because we had a lot of successes together and that definitely elevated my career. 
But at the same time, I came in. I'm, they, I, in order to sign me, the president said to me, yo, my dad was the first Black Panther of the, in the country. And I know that you're about it. So let's be about it. I was like, yeah. He was like, yeah. So I, I went in on that basis. Like, yeah, we're going to do something. And then the man, they wanted me to make pop music. I was like, you're wasting my time. You feel me? Because I meant it when I said that. And they respected them. They knew. So they just let me do what I was doing. And since then, I've been able to take better control of my narrative. Deep. Wow. Blown away right now, you know. Talk to me about your process. You know, we always speak about the beginning stage and the end stage, where you're trying to get to. Right. But the process itself, I mean, what is it like for George the Poet? Do you ever have your moments where, you know, you're just thinking, I'm not getting that respect that I deserve. Mm. My voice isn't being heard the way it needs to be. Mm. And do you ever feel like throwing in a towel? Are you around enough ambitious people that can talk you out of that? Mm. What is what is the process like for you? So for me, the whole process is driven by what I want for my community. Before I did poetry, I was a rapper. And I, I fell out of love with rap because I felt like the way that the narrative is so circular, it's like more time we either talk about the struggle or we revel in ignorance or we're doing escapism. Like, let me make a tune that will, you know what I'm saying, slap in a, in, in, in a rave. So for that moment, I feel free. And everyone that has to go to work or everyone that's on the block or everyone that's in jail can feel free when they listen to us. I felt like that was a bubble. I felt like I was going to become an MP in order to, you know, make my contribution to my community. Studied politics and I felt like being an MP wasn't for me. So through that space of confusion, I just kind of landed on poetry. People need to understand that that's where it started from. So with that as a starting point, my only real measure of success can be the progress of the community. That's my stress. You know what I'm saying? like, Like we're talking here now. And I can see all of you, but I can also see Nipsey Hussle sitting right here. Do you get me? Like, them and they are with me. They're with all of us. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? That never, so against that metric, and, he's, and it's, a, it's a marathon, he's saying keep running. Against that, like, it's not, for me, it's not really about, do, is my name ringing out? Do they hear what I'm saying? I'm saying, what am I actually, what leadership can I offer? That's the main stress in my life. What do I tell these these young people? What do I tell my contemporaries? What do I tell the parents? What do I tell the schools? Like, what do I tell, man? Because no one really knows the answer to some of our hardest questions. And like I said, because we don't have that collective agenda, we individually start, like, you know, our, our, our systems become atomized. We turn inwards. We want to stay away from them lot. Don't talk to them lot. Don't let them lot know what I'm doing. Don't let them lot know how I'm making money. But at the end of the day, that's my biggest stress. And that's what really either drives my art or gets me down to where I just need a break and I just need to go maybe to Uganda, get my mind right and say something constructive. Mm. And with that mission, with that aim, what can we as a community do to to help you push out that agenda on a wider scale? What What can people around you do to help? That's a good question. Um... You just be your best, man. Be your best. Be whatever you're doing, be the best at it. That's the first starting point. Because 
that's then an asset. Jules and I had such a rich conversation inside because Jules is at the top of his game. So when we're talking, the frequency is different. Like he was saying about generating ideas, I felt the same. You know what I'm saying? We're iron sharpens iron. So I can't necessarily tell you what to do with your life, but just make sure you're in your lane. And your lane is based on your DNA. Who are you? What motivated you when you were a kid? What did you see that made you know that you have to make sure that before you die, before you pass, you have to get X and Y done? Because that's what I'm on. And if you're not on that, it's going to be very hard for us to really build. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. One last question, please. <laughs> so we're at a place right now where a lot of men have got this concept where we're conditioned to just be strong and build this wall up where we don't really express ourselves. Why do you feel like it's so difficult for men to really speak out, speak about their struggles, speak about some of the things they're going through? Why is that an issue, especially for our community as well? I think we all have to acknowledge the challenge of our idea of masculinity. You just, the question that you just asked me before this about what, 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 what can we do to help, it took me a second to answer it because I never ask for help. I don't even, like, the way that we grew up, I think by the time I was 13, I stopped asking my parents for money. Not only, obviously, we were from a working class situation, there's not a lot of money in the not a lot of disposable income in the household, but also in the back of my mind, as a man, go and get it. So you've been putting that pressure on yourself from 13 years old. All your people, look, my, my friends were either doing fraud or they were doing other things on the roads. So already that's my reference. He's shining, he's 15 years old and he's shining. I have to go and get Sutton. So there's that expectation that, and obviously, it's funny because I now sit on the board of the Arts Council. Arts Council are in charge of all the, are the foundation in charge of all the government spending on the arts in the country. And I was just saying to them in a meeting earlier today, the reason you lot got to ensure that you're relevant to young people is because when I was young, I was an MC, I was doing grime, we were creating a new genre, and I never saw you lot. That's why I don't ask for nothing these days. Not these, like in life, I don't, my perspective ain't like that. So I feel like, first of all, it's difficult for men to um, uh, put themselves in a situation of vulnerability and ask for help. But then I feel like definitely coming from our community, that's compounded with this outsider syndrome, with this underdog syndrome. My brethren calls it school of the black man where you, you don't ask for funding, you don't apply for no support or grant or nothing. You're just going to hustle and it's all going to like bust like Jay-Z and Rockefeller. We all got that in the back of our minds. But now ultimately, we need to let go of some of those early traumas. I explore a lot of that in my podcast, actually. Last last plug, um, the podcast, like you said, has been nominated for a couple of awards. Uh, if you can, please go to British, BritishPodcastAwards.com slash vote so that we can secure that listener's choice um, award. But ultimately, yeah, the reason I made that podcast because I want to give us a holistic picture of how we can really start building without holding everything in. Amazing, yeah. amazing. So yeah, everyone in this room, 
everyone who's listening to the podcast as well, please go and vote for that. Uh, we're so grateful for you for coming out. Um, if you could just let us know anything that's in the works right now that people need to look out for um, and people need to get behind. Yeah, I, I would say when you get a chance, check out the podcast because it's for you. Real talk. I wrote it with everyone in this room in mind. Um, it's, there's a few ideas in there that I would like to, that I'm planning on developing and building on. It's called Have You Heard George's Podcast. And um, yeah, I think I feel like if anytime you buck me on the roads, from time you've heard that, we can have a, a real meaningful conversation. But thank you very much for taking me. Amazing. Hey, you know that, that one was serious. Listening back to it, it still gives me goosebumps. I can't lie. Yeah, I can't lie, man. Like even especially when he talks about like the generational wealth and. Yep. Just the depth of what he's speaking on, it's its amazing. And yet, still in a relatable way. So, yeah, very grateful to George the Poet for that one, Definitely, man. man. Shout out to George the Poet every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, you're listening to King's Talk. I mean, you heard it here first. Um, we spoke about No ID, and there's a lot of topics to take from that. Please, share this to your friends. Make it something where you can get back to us and give us your feedback. This is a a hub. This is a collective. This is a family. This is a village that we're trying to grow, Mm. especially for us kings. So give us some feedback. Let us know your thoughts. And yeah, most definitely look out for more episodes. It's King's Talk. Myself, Nicholas Dex. It's William Adwesi. And one more thing to add as well, actually, is on socials, it's King's Talk Live. That's right. So make sure you're tweeting us, Instagramming us, Insta storying because I know people can be precious with their feeds, <laughs> but yeah, we want to see like it all, stuff, man. Yeah. I don't know what you're on about, bro. Um, but yeah, it's we want to see it all. <laughs> <laughs> it's love, it's love, it's love all the time. King's Talk Live, love. <laughs>